On February 12, 1924, the New York music world heard what was billed as an experiment in modern music, a new work by the famous songwriter and pianist George Gershwin that blended jazz with European symphonic traditions. It was called Rhapsody in Blue, and it was, and still is to this day, a huge hit. In the audience that afternoon was Walter Damrosch, music director of the New York Symphony Society, and he immediately commissioned Gershwin to write a more formal piano concerto for the symphony to play. Gershwin happily accepted the commission and then, so goes the legend, went to the library to read up on just what a concerto was. He acquired a copy of one of the standard textbooks on orchestration and learned enough from it to write the whole orchestral score of the concerto in F on his own. Gershwin was originally going to call the piece New York Concerto, but he decided that if it was going to be a proper concerto, it had to be a piece of abstract music. He said the Rhapsody, as its title implies, was a blues impression. The concerto would be unrelated to any program, and that is exactly how I wrote it. End quote. Gershwin described the piece in an article in the New York Herald Tribune. Quote, the first movement employs the Charleston rhythm. It is quick and pulsating, representing the young, enthusiastic spirit of American life. It begins with a rhythmic motif given out by the kettle drums, supported by other percussion instruments, and with a Charleston motif introduced by horns, clarinets, and violas. The principal theme is announced by the bassoon. Later, a second theme is introduced by the piano. The second movement has a poetic nocturnal atmosphere, which has come to be referred to as the American blues, but in a purer form than that in which they are usually treated. The final movement reverts to the style of the first. It is an orgy of rhythms, starting violently and keeping the same pace throughout. End quote. The concerto, like the rhapsody before it, was an overwhelming success. Pianist Conrad Tau began his career as both a pianist and a composer when he was still in his teens. He made his San Francisco Symphony debut in 2008 when he was just 14 and is a Shenzhen young artist. And now you hear the applause as he joins guest conductor Edwin Outwater and the orchestra for the Concerto in F by George Gershwin.
just heard George Gershwin's Concerto in F. Conrad Tao was the soloist, and Edwin Outwater led the San Francisco Symphony. Conrad Tao has been making waves in the music world since he was in his early teens. He was born in Urbana, Illinois, and studied in the Juilliard School's pre-college division. Beginning when he was 10, he won eight straight ASCAP Morton Gould Young Composer Awards. He received an Avery Fisher Career Grant in 2012 and is also a Presidential Scholar in the Arts, a Davidson Fellow Laureate, and a Gilmore Foundation Young Artist. Before he was out of his teens, he'd performed major concertos on both piano and violin with the San Francisco Symphony, the Philadelphia Orchestra, the Russian National Orchestra, the Baltimore, Dallas, Detroit, and Utah Symphonies, the Miami Piano Festival, and the Orchestra of the Americas. Conrad Tao back out on stage now with guest conductor Edwin Outwater and standing bows for the members of the percussion section of the San Francisco Symphony. 
As a composer, Conrad Tau has just completed his first large-scale works for orchestra. As a pianist, his recordings include concertos by Mozart and solo piano works by Debussy, Mussorgsky, Rachmaninoff, Stravinsky, David Lang, Gordon Getty, and Meredith Monk, as well as his own music. Edwin Outwater is currently music director of the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. He's also music director laureate of the Kitchener-Waterloo Symphony Orchestra. He was formerly the San Francisco Symphony's resident conductor, director of summer concerts, and music director of the San Francisco Symphony Youth Orchestra. He's overseen symphonic projects with Metallica, Boys to Men, and Wynton Marsalis, as well as the Judy Garland 100th anniversary concert, Get Happy. I'll be back in a moment with the second half of this concert by Edwin Outwater and the San Francisco Symphony, a new work for singers and orchestra by Gabriel Kahane, which he calls an unflinching narration of the fear, humiliation, and insurmountable obstacles associated with being unhoused in America. This broadcast of the San Francisco Symphony is made possible with the generous support of Fred Levin of the Shenson Foundation, in memory of Nancy Livingston Levin and Ben and A. Jess Shenson. Additional support is generously provided by the Acacia Foundation and by Paula and John Gams. Welcome back to Davies Symphony Hall for the second half of this broadcast concert by the San Francisco Symphony with guest conductor Edwin Outwater. I'm Rick Malone. Gabriel Kahane is making his San Francisco Symphony debut at these performances, but his overlapping careers as a composer, singer, and songwriter have already allowed him to collaborate with artists ranging from Phoebe Bridgers, Paul Simon, Sylvan Esso, Chris Teeley, and Sufjan Stevens, to Caroline Shaw, Anthony McGill, Pekka Sisto, and the Ataka Quartet. In 2021, he received a Charles Ives Fellowship from the American Academy of Arts and Letters and currently lives in Portland, Oregon, where he's creative chair of the Oregon Symphony and where the work you're about to hear had its world premiere in 2018. Kahane's career has been compared to that of Franz Schubert, both for his ability to shift between songs and larger works and for his gifts as a storyteller in music, evoking compassion for the subjects of his songs, no matter how mundane. This gift has allowed Kahane to create a large-scale composition for full orchestra and voices, his first, out of a source as soulless and bureaucratic as a questionnaire required to be completed to enter a homeless shelter. The idea for emergency shelter intake form came out of Kahane's personal experience as a volunteer at a local shelter. It takes its libretto not only from an actual official government form, but from found texts as diverse as a personal ad that first appeared on Craigslist to tweets set as musical haikus. Even on a subject as seemingly grim as this one could be, Kahane has drawn on his theatrical background to find humor as well. He explains, One thing that I brought from my life in the theater is that something that is emotionally honest has an emotional range. When I volunteer at the shelter, these guys are laughing, and there's humor and good-naturedness right smack up against despair. I wanted to write a piece that plums the depths of despair, but also has a comic element to it. That is how life works. End quote. The soloists at this performance are led by mezzo-soprano Alicia Hall-Moran, joined by a chorus of inconvenient statistics featuring the composer and vocalist Holcomb Waller and Kristen Totman. San Francisco's Community Music Center singers are led by Martha Rodriguez-Salazar and the Skywatchers Ensemble, made up of artists and residents of San Francisco's Tenderloin neighborhood. 
They now join the San Francisco Symphony and guest conductor Edwin Outwater for Gabriel Kahane's Emergency Shelter Intake Form. Whereas to beat the 
answered yes to living with family or friends. Please complete the following. Will you tell them the truth that you have to? 
Through your mind. 
certainly we can all agree that we are in the midst of a housing crisis for which the most effective solutions is to build new homes at more affordable prices. The only nagging question that remains, the one that most nearly pertains, is where these units should be erected so that we might keep protected our sun-drenched, gut-renovated, almost one-acre Victorian domain. And so we've written these refrains. One, two, three, four. To have shelter is a right we all hold dear. So long as it isn't built too near to our bespoke craftsmen homes with their raised beds full of heirloom asparagus and ancient grains for our breads, baby. This doesn't have to be hard. Put them anywhere at all, but not in my backyard. Oh, Hayes Valley, it's so Tony these days. God, remember how trashy it was just like two decades ago? We all love the unwashed masses, the hard scrabble working classes. So long as we can't hear or hear them, cause the truth is that we fear them, baby. This doesn't have to be hard. Put them anywhere at all, but not in my backyard. <laughs> no, not in my backyard. To have to have our windows barred. Anywhere else is fine within the urban growth boundary line. Put them anywhere at all, but not in my backyard. Davies Symphony Hall, was it brutalist or modernist? I don't know, but all that brassy bling in the lobby has really aged well. And never mind the fact that we live on plundered land. Those natives whom we killed and conquered surely understand that when Andrew Jackson held out his cold and bloody hand, they were consigning themselves to live in squalid poverty on inadequate tracks bereft of modern niceties like running water or electricity. But that ain't no concern for you or me. justice at any price so long as it don't mean we have to make a sacrifice mixed income housing's nice in theory but in practice makes us leery still this this doesn't have to be hard build it anywhere at all but not in my backyard not in my backyard gosh you can understand why we have to stay on guard it's a sacred old tradition of denying folks permission to gain entry into our communities. That is, if they don't look like you or me, or have an income north of a million, two or three. This doesn't have to be hard. Put them anywhere at all, but not in my backyard. Put them anywhere at all, but not
not in my backyard. Put them anywhere at all, but not in my in my back Co-worker 
that the federal government subsidizes housing for the middle and upper classes at a higher rate than it does for the poor. How does this make you feel? Super sorry to interrupt, and we mean no disrespect, but we thought this might be an opportune moment to interject. A brief history of the financial crisis expressed through mortgages subprime, but in order to do so, we must revisit an earlier time of absolute vodka. Herms and wedge salad, Michael Milken indicted for junk bonds invalid. Revolutions in the Eastern Bloc, the first tremors in a worldwide shock that would leave the old guard looking pallid. But the suits on Wall Street, they couldn't be bothered, they were too busy toasting the new bond they'd fathered, an industry-wide sensation, the collateralized debt obligation. 
Say you've got yourself a pile of different loans. Aircraft lease and credit card, vacation homes. Diversified assets you can slice and dice, then repackage and resell for a reasonable price. A means to redistribute the collective risk into a stew of debt, or better yet, securitized BISC. It made markets more efficient, at least that's how it seemed. The free market built as Milton Friedman had dreamed. Can you hear the bull market roar? That's the sound of the rich buying debt from the poor. When they've bought it, oh my friend, gotta make more. And that's where subprime mortgages come in. Or to be exact, a decade or a few, we go from George Bush 1 to Bubba on to George Bush 2. Wall Street got addicted to that CDO bet. That's the bet that says that folks will never default on their debt. They needed lots of loans to feed their debt machine that turns our IOUs and UOBs right back into green. So in the boom of new construction, in the early to mid-aughts, with McMansions in production on these grand suburban lots, a plot was hatched behind the scenes by fat cats in the backs of limousines. They'd offer toxic lines of credit to those to poor to get it by more or less any other means. Can you hear the bull market roar? That's the sound of the rich buying debt from the poor. And when they bought it, all my friend, they gotta make more. That's where sunrise mortgage is coming. The lenders knew the fine print of these loans contained. Fields full of rate hikes that were never explained. So folks who make subsistence wages, they got loans for half a mil, told to lie about their incomes on the forms they had to fill. The lenders thought that housing prices couldn't help but rise. So when folks couldn't make a payment, they'd instead re-amortize. Then these loans were bought by Wall Street, cut in pieces, packed and sold. They were seemingly innocuous, the truth though never told. Was that these new financial instruments, all rated AAA, were in fact big piles of garbage that would putrefy someday? And when these unsuspecting folks who brought these grand and lavish homes found the housing market stalled, began to default on their loans. You see, the boom turned to a bubble, and by fall of seven, well, the bubble turned to rubble, and it pains me much to tell that the CDOs we mentioned, that hedge funds all had stashed as seemingly good money, now one by one they crashed. Can you hear the bull market roar? That's the sound of the rich buying debt from the poor. And when they bought it all, my friend, they gotta pay for it. That's where my mortgage is coming. For their role in fiscal meltdown and for judgment lacked, you'd think you'd see the guys at Deutsche Bank and Goldman sacked. But instead they walked with millions, golden parachutes and more. Sure, the building was on fire, but they danced right out the door. Because all, though more than nine million families' homes were lost, if Wall Street made a profit, maybe it would
was worth the cost Cause in America, my friend, you know we love the dollar most So what if folks are sleeping on the street from coast to coast? Equality's a concept for Norwegians, Finns, and Danes Whereas we prefer our shirts and skins, our zero-sum financial gains In with Milton Friedman, out with old John Maynard Keynes Oh, Predatory payday lenders, certain kinds of credit cards, host of other strategies to empty out the bank accounts of those who are facing stagnant wages. Limited opportunity for painful employment. Yes, that's where subprime mortgages come.
ground floor window In the space provided below Rock curled through second story window Please draw a straight line if possible Crucifix driven into lawn and set ablaze Set on lawn left to molder and putrefy And lack of assets Bomb threats, idle threats To the systemic discrimination Casual tyranny Waged from generation to generation Dynamite stood under porch and ignited By government and private citizens alike. Prank phone calls you may use in the middle of the night. This red grease pencil in the middle of the night.
pleased to inform you that tonight we can offer in a concrete church basement. In the room to the right as you enter the door, an emergency shelter just heard Gabriel Kahane's emergency shelter intake form. Guest conductor Edwin Outwater led the San Francisco Symphony with mezzo-soprano Alicia Hallmoran, a chorus of inconvenient statistics featuring the composer and vocalists Holcomb Waller and Kristen Totman, San Francisco's Community Music Center singers led by Martha Rodriguez Salazar, and the Skywatchers Ensemble, made up of artists and residents of San Francisco's Tenderloin neighborhood. Alicia Hall Moran made her Broadway debut in the Tony-winning revival The Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, starring as Bess on a 20-city American tour. Her artist residencies include the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, Mass Mocha, and National Sawdust. She's been commissioned by Art Public Miami, Art Basel, Museum of Modern Art, The Kitchen, Histories Remixed of the Art Institute of Chicago, and the Prototype Festival Beth Morrison Projects. And in partnership with her husband and collaborator, Jason Moran, she was awarded a 2017 Art of Change Fellowship by the Ford Foundation. Holcomb Waller is a creative capital artist, a four-time recipient of the MAP Fund grant, and a Joan Shipley Fellow of the Oregon Arts Commission. Mr. Waller is known for his evening-link theater-based interdisciplinary music performances and has released five albums on his own label, Napoleon Records. Kristen Totman is the director of the community chorus of Peabody in Baltimore and has performed as a soloist with the Los Angeles Philharmonic, the New World Symphony, the Brit Festival Orchestra, Corona Del Mar Festival Orchestra, Baltimore Concert Artists, and Musica Angelica Orchestras. With her partner Chris Pumphrey, she sings songs of healing and praise for the wonders of creation to create space for listeners to meditate, heal, and explore their inner worlds. She's led singers in homeless shelters, health clinics, and on Skid Row. Guest conductor Edwin Outwater back out on stage now with soloists Alicia Hall Moran, Holcomb Waller, Kristen Totman, and composer Gabriel Kahane. You've been listening to a broadcast concert of the San Francisco Symphony from Davies Symphony Hall, featuring Gabriel Kahane's emergency shelter intake form with mezzo-soprano Alicia Hall Moran, vocalists Holcomb Waller and Kristen Totman, San Francisco's Community Music Center singers led by Martha Rodriguez Salazar, and the Skywatchers Ensemble, made up of artists and residents of San Francisco's Tenderloin neighborhood.
You also heard pianist Conrad Tao as the soloist in George Gershwin's Concerto in F, and the symphony was led by its former resident conductor, Edwin Outwater. These broadcast concerts are produced by the San Francisco Symphony, and music director Essa Pekka Salonen, president Priscilla B. Gieselin, and chief executive officer Matthew Spivey. This broadcast was recorded by John Johansson and edited by Jason O'Connell, and the program notes were adapted from those written by James M. Keller and Thomas May. National syndication of these concerts is provided by the WFMT Radio Network, and don't forget that you can visit the symphony online and find out more about the programs, the artists, and the orchestra at sfsymphony.org. This is Rick Malone. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next broadcast concert by the San Francisco Symphony. This broadcast of the San Francisco Symphony is made possible with the generous support of Fred Levin of the Shenson Foundation, in memory of Nancy Livingston Levin and Ben and A. Jess Shenson. Additional support is generously provided by the Acacia Foundation and by Paula and John Gams.